Welcome to Final Fantasy Weekly. I'm Drew Kreisman. And I'm Ira Kreisman. And on this episode of the podcast, we continue with the plots, themes, and characters of Final Fantasy Tactics. When last we left, our heroes, who are basically a group of young squires now deciding not to follow the orders they were given and run off and see if they can solve the problem themselves. That old trope, right? But with a whole lot of moving pieces to it. So, (laughs) Ramza, Delita, and Argoth are intent upon finding the kidnapped Marquis Elmdor de Limberry, who they believe has been taken to a city called Dorder. So we begin this part opening on Dorder, and we see two people who we've not yet been introduced to in the middle of a very intense interrogation, (laughs) where a man who is dressed a bit more ornately than, you know, it's like in a lot of these old games, right, there's a lot of characters who all kind of look the same as a way of denoting that they're sort of more grunt soldiers in these big armies and anyone who's got like their own outfit is that's <laughs> it, that signifies character. that yeah. that's right that's an important yeah that's right that's exactly right so we have a quote important character who we have not yet met interrogating someone who kind of looks like your your standard grunt in the corpse brigade right he's wearing the the those are the people that we've been fighting as the order of the northern sky and so this appears to be some inter-corpse brigade problems they're having, and the more ornately dressed man eventually, you know, pulls a sword on this guy who's maybe at this point fleeing for his life and is demanding to know where the Marquis is. Tell me where you've hidden him. And eventually the guy blurts out, they're in the desert, they're in the desert. And our ornately dressed man says, ah, the Sand Rats Siege. That old, that old place, that well-known yeah. <laughs> desert locale. I think it's interesting. I mean, you, we've we've identified these people as both being from the Corpse Brigade, but one of them also wants to know where the Marquis is, right? Where have you where have you hidden him? Uh, which almost might make it seem like he's on our side because we're also looking for him, but he's in the Corpse Brigade, and those are the dirty, dirty bandits who are obviously bad guys. Right. It's interesting, and it really starts to very subtly, very nicely lay the seeds of what we're about to learn about the internal politics of the people on the other side as well. (laughs) So, you know, our party arrives on the scene because that's where they were going, right? And Ramza tries to get involved, but uh, the ornately dressed knight speaks. I I love this line. He says, my luck turns foul with the weather. Nice. And he bounces. But yeah, that's a, I love when he says that. Just, ooh, that's a really good line. So as he flees, the, he sort of leaves behind a, a, a retinue, I suppose. I'm not, I'm not sure what, what the difference between a company, a party, a retinue, uh, uh-huh. a group of <laughs> corpse brigade soldiers to... Uh, fight with Ramza, Delita, Argoth, and their companions. And Delita feels as though he may have recognized that man somewhere. 
during the battle, because for whatever reason, sometimes these guys like to have really important conversations in the middle of battle. Right, right. Because it is essentially an anime and that's how we do things. Right. Uh, you know, Delita says, I remembered that man. His name is Wygraf. He commanded the dead men during the war, a company of volunteers assembled from the peasantry. I have a question. Uh-huh. Why would the peasantry volunteer to fight in a war between nobles? You know, I oftentimes wonder things like that myself, but it happens in real life, right? Why would right. enslaved people choose to sign up to fight in the American Revolution? So let's let's take that as an example, right? For, for some of those folks, it was because they were promised freedom or land or money. Right. And then what happens when they don't get that? Is it is it possible that you know our our, our dead men, our corpse brigade, volunteered to join the army on the on the promise that they would be well paid, and now they're coming home and they haven't been paid? I wonder why they might be pissed off. Right, right, and we're gonna get deeper and deeper into that as we go. But Argoth is immediately more just concerned that uh, that makes him he's like a mixing with the you know, the, the lowborn people and also that that makes him the commander of the corpse brigade. That makes him the top dog, the guy that we're after theoretically, like, right. He, he's the, the head of the enemy we've been fighting this entire time. And his name is Wygraf. Okay. Uh huh. And he didn't know where the Marquis was held. Right. Yeah. So something's going on in the corpse brigade. Right. Then, man, this game is brutal. This story, like, this is... <laughs> I was going to say, then stuff starts getting really real, but it's been pretty intense this whole time. Our heroes? Again, that's why I've been a little careful with that word in this game. Our three young squires begin to interrogate somebody they captured from the battle that you've won after you, you know, realize who Wygraf is. You, you win that battle... They take this person prisoner, and the interrogation is extremely brutal. Argoth basically just starts ripping into this guy and beating him up immediately. He's, you know, where is the Marquis? Where are you holding him? That was your commander, Wygraf. We came upon you. Where is he gone? And gets right in, like, a mayhap a beating would loosen your tongue and immediately just starts punching and kicking the guy. And, you know, Ramza is protesting... But, and Delita interjects a few times as well, but Argoth is also, like, getting information out of the guy. Sure. But then we really peel back and we see who Argoth truly is for the first time. So if you're playing this for the first time, you've seen, like, he's a little into the nobility thing. But this is the part where, in the heat of battle and in this interrogation, he really lets his sicko flag fly. And he says to this person, you will die. You will be hunted down to the last and slaughtered like the swine you are, for such is brigandry's reward. But you, pig, are a lucky one. Tell us what we wish to know, and you may keep your bacon. So where is Wygraf? And it's just like, what in the hell is wrong with you? And again, he, like, he threatens to cut out the guy's tongue. Uh, the prisoner insists that he is no rogue. He, and, and he gives a little bit now before we can get some of it from the leaders we get some of it here again from just one random member of the corpse brigade he says you nobles you're all the same 
You think every man born outside of a castle's walls less than human. We fought for this kingdom at peril of our very lives. Yet the moment the war was ended, you turned us out into the streets. What do you think makes you so special? Birth? Blood? What difference does it make? Yeah, so so between the side that is arguing to torture somebody for information and the side that is pointing out that we also risked our lives and you're going to you're going to leave us homeless and penniless. My sympathies are clearly and strongly with the Corpse Brigade. Yeah. And then to be as fair as I possibly can, Argoth does make a solid point especially from his point of view and from what we know so far when he says, you know, hey, you kidnap men for ransom and then you ask the difference between us? And then the guy says, no, 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 we didn't do that. That was no plan of Wygroff's. That was not what was going on here. And then that's when Ramza interjects himself back and tries to, it's almost like a teacher getting the conversation back. Right, <laughs> just, right. just, okay, well then who? You know, who, who, who is doing this? And after a little bit more of angry words and beating from Argoth, he says, it was Gustav. So, of course, the next obvious question is, who is Gustav? Gustav Margriff, Lieutenant Commander of the Dead Men. One of the things we've, we talk about in storytelling, and I think we've talked about it on this podcast too, is sometimes you start real broad and then narrow in on, on a focus, right? With a, with a story, as a storytelling technique, as a way to guide your reader through a scene or through a landscape or, or through some perhaps very difficult political negotiations. And sometimes you start narrow and then go broad. Right, so we're starting with, here's Ramza and Delita. They are squires. They have a job to go out and deal with brigands. Right, that's very narrow. Two characters, here's their challenge. They overcome the challenge. Now, let's go a little deeper. Who are the Corpse Brigade? Right, and now, now let's widen out a little bit more. Here's another noble, young nobleman. Let's rescue him. And what, what is his problem? Oh, his problem is his lord, the Marquis, has been kidnapped. Okay. Now we're, now we're widening out a little bit more. And now we're going to get even wider here with, okay, so there are two factions apparently in the Corpse Brigade. So what politics are going on here? And then the, the story just gets wider and wider and bigger and bigger. And so I think it's a smart narrative move to get our heroes with one focus and now two and then eventually more and more. Because right. this story gets big and complicated. Right, because we've gone from, you know, let's destroy the Corpse Brigade to who even is the Corpse Brigade if their leader isn't in charge of this kidnapping. So who is this Gustav? Where is he? What's going on? Yeah, there's clearly a, a splintering going on with that group. And so this prisoner eventually coughs up the same information as we saw the man earlier being interrogated by Wygroff and says, the Sand Rats siege. And then Delita has to explain to Argoth what that means. He gets a little moment of, I'm from here and you're not. And I actually know this land and I know these deserts. And he talks about the desert men having a settlement on the outskirts and its ruins there remain. And Ramza deduces, then that is where we will find Gustav and the Marquis. So it is off to the Sand Rats siege. So... After traveling a bit, and I should mention, by the way, that oftentimes during this story, there, you know, there's long travel from town to town. And we usually, because we're following along with the story and characters, sort of 
jump past like they may be waylaid by monsters on the way and have a battle and have some quick back and forth and there's often some good little character moments in there so a lot of times we'll say and now we're at the thing we were just talking about which is going to happen here but yeah you know after long travel and a couple of battles along the way we get to the sand siege and like happens very often in this story i'm starting to realize as we go through it we see what's going on like right before our characters arrive. Yeah. And so we're doing that again. We're inside some decaying building, like Delita told us, old ruins that are still there. And Gustav and Wygraf, who we now understand are on opposite sides of the two factions of the Corpse Brigade, are standing opposite each other, swords drawn. They're clearly having their moment here. Right? It's going down right now. And if I could just jump in from a narrative point real quick, or from a storytelling point, rather, I, I really like that as a, a literary device. It, it has the potential for dramatic irony in that the audience knows more than the, than the characters. But also, like, if this, is, if this is truly a history as being related to us by our Islam, then we may well know more than, you know, from an historical perspective, we may know more uh, than the people who were involved given the the distance of time. Right. This is not a point-of-view story the way, say, Final Fantasy X is, and we basically learn everything through the eyes of Titus, 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 right? <laughs> it's You're right. But yeah, that's a great point. And another way this reinforces that we're being told all of this from the perspective of an historian. Okay. So remember when I said in the first episode that there's a lot of really extraordinary dialogue in this game that yeah. could also be essentially like pro wrestling promos if huh? they were ever cut like this. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. We've got another one. Wygroff says, you've taken leave of your senses, Gustav. Gustav says, have I? What hope does your fool revolution hold? Dreams do not fill a man's stomach or make soft the packed earth on which he beds. And Wygraf says, you see not beyond the end of your nose. The crown strays, Gustav. It must be led back onto the path. Gustav retorts, and you think yourself the man to do this. More the fool you, Wygraf. Like, damn. Yeah. This <laughs> it, it also, that, that makes me wonder, what path do you think the crown should be on, Wygraf? Like, yeah. this man who wants to tear down the nobility, what, what, d do you think the crown is going to side with the peasantry? Interesting. Why? Yeah. He seems to have extraordinarily lofty ideals, this Wygraf. Where Gustav, it's it sort of, I think I skipped over again when they were like battling some people earlier, that it becomes clear that Gustav is a little bit more power grabby and a little bit more like, hey, uh, you know, somebody says Wygraf wants to destroy the nobility and Gustav wants to join them. Right. Gustav wants to get his and to heck with anybody else. Wygraf is is for the people. He wants everybody right. to be treated with respect. Right. No matter which side of the castle walls they were born on. And they have a very brief encounter. Gustav lunges at Wygraf, who sidesteps it and with a single thrust pierces his sword through Gustav's chest killing him oh boy yeah man oh boy good stuff <laughs> Ooh. which would suggest that the internal politics of the corpse brigade have been uh finished melded 
ended. <laughs> right. Now, if you were, as I was, really focused in on the two people at the center of this, you might have missed some dead bodies lying about the place. Clearly an indication that there had been an altercation even just to get to that point. And that in the corner lies the Marquis that we've been looking for this entire time. And as Wygroff is pulling his blade out of Gustav, Ramza, Argoth, and Delita arrive, having just come from a battle outside. And Argoth immediately is trying to get at the Marquis, and Wygroff holds out his sword and says, no further. Yeah, because, look, he, he's been in a big, long fight. It's three-on-one. He's good. We know he's good, but three-on-one is still pretty tough. Yeah, and then he does this extraordinarily intelligent political thing, <laughs> knowing that situation. And Argoth, of course, tries to escalate everything. How, you, how dare you threaten me and all that stuff? And Delita tells him to stay yourself, Argoth. <laughs> Wygroff lets them know that the Marquis is unharmed and that they can take him back to Egros. And Ramza says, okay, why? <laughs> and Wygraf replies, the Marquis's abduction was ill done. Such craven methods serve not our ends. Let me walk free, and I will release the Marquis to your care. A fair bargain. And I, that is, I like this a lot because not only does it show us who Wygraf is, it also shows us that Zalbag was absolutely right about what the Corpse Brigade really wants. Right. So despite Argoth, of course, trying to choose the most violent path here and, <laughs> you know, not really buying it, Delita and Ramza decide, no, he speaks the truth. Let's agree to the bargain. They go in to sort of wake up the Marquis and ready him to take him back. And Wygroff slides around and slips on out of there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> a successful prisoner negotiation. Well done yeah. to most parties involved. And Argoth even does try to like chase after him and Delita stops him. And Delita says, look, man, the corpse brigade is finished. There is not to be gained by a quarrel here. And that's where we get a little bit of Delita's like underlying intelligence about picking your battles, sure. when you should fight, how you should fight. And it's no. not always necessary to kill them all, as, as we had between Gafgarian and Agrius, uh, Agrius earlier. Right. Or later, right. I guess. <laughs> earlier, which was later, yeah. So the party collects the Marquis and heads for Egros. So once again, you know, long journey, battles along the way, but the party arrives back at Egros to dear Lord Brother Dystarg, who is not happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought this was really interesting when the first time I played this. I was like, you know, because normally when your young heroes do a brash thing, but they're successful, they get to come back and be scolded a little bit, but also, you know, congratulations on your success. All the points to Gryffindor. Yeah, but that's not what <laughs> happens here. No, Gryffindor gets no points. No, none. You get yelled at. Yeah. So he says, what madness possessed you that you would abandon your post to traipse about the desert? <laughs> Ramza doesn't have anything. Well, because he can't be like, well, Dystar gave me yeah. this hint, and I assume that meant you wanted me to go. Right. Or Zalbag, you mean. The Sorry, other, yeah, the Zalbag, other brother, yeah. the other brother. Yeah. 
and and you know so he's dice dark not pleased with silence and then delita and ramza do just the cutest just the most adorable little it was me no twas i dear brother no it is ramza's honor that guides his tongue my lord it is not as he said you needn't be false on my behalf delita it was i who chose to disregard it they just you guys they're trying to out honor each other in this moment and it's actually super adorable right argath doesn't get in on that <laughs> none at all not at all and then dice darg says something absolutely remarkable here he says might i pose a question ramza what purpose do laws serve when even those who would enforce them choose not to pay them heed? Adherence to the rule of law is a knight's solemn duty. It falls upon us as bailiffs to bear the burden of example. Is your intent to live up to your name or to drag it with you through the mire? Dude. Harsh. Dude. Super harsh at the end there, but that question about what purpose do laws serve when even those who would enforce them choose not to pay them heed, there is, you know, underneath all of that, the underlying principle of we are going to entrust you as a knight to enforce the rules and the laws of the land. You can't just go running around just because you think it's the right thing to do. And that's kind of this weird double-edged sword, right? We know from the beginning of the game that Roms is going to end up a mercenary. So if you're starting to put two and two together, you can see where in this moment it's like, because that's a, that's a perfectly phenomenal philosophy to have in life. If the laws of the land are just right. But if the laws of the land are not just, then strict adherence to them can be a pretty bad thing. And that's, what Ramza is going to have to go through and learn here. So after just getting verbally abused here, all Ramza can muster is, you know, forgive me, Lord brother. And then from off screen, we hear a new person's voice and a older or or middle-aged to older, you know, authoritative man says, I believe the point is made. Is it not Dice Darg? Oh, who is this person who speaks to, Lord Commander on high big chair brother that way. <laughs> so this man enters the room in full robes, like very ornate robes, you know, special haircut, <laughs> you know, <laughs> unlike anything we've seen. Ramza and Delita immediately hit their knees. Argoth like looks around the room and then goes to his <laughs> knees. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> One of the few moments of levity in this. Yeah, but you think someone so attuned to what uh, the nobility wants might have gotten there faster, but he's not exactly quick on the uptake. Right. So this person says to Lord Brother, he says, you must not let the how of it steal your eyes away from the what. The rescue of the Marquis was no small feat. Now that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that, that's yeah the, this is the points is. to Gryffindor we're there looking it for. Yeah, <laughs> It is the way of young men to be impetuous in their haste and do great things. We were not unlike them once. So he totally comes in and Dumbledore's this moment up for us, right? <laughs> like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He even does the, we were not unlike them once. We, we were young once too, remember? <laughs> yeah, Young and stupid. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but Dice Darg actually digs in here, which I love. He says, to coddle them is to do them a disservice, Your Grace. So this person turns his attention to Ramza and starts doing the, ah, you're the younger brother, rise, son of Gaon. Again, it's very Dumbledoring it up here, trying to change the vibes in the room. You are the very ghost of Barbaneth, he says. You know, every young soldier wants to hear of their father and themselves. You know, His fire burns in your eyes. I can see it's just... Thanks, man. I was feeling real bad after my brother yelled at me. (laughs) And then, you know, after kind of changing up the mood a little bit, this person glances over at Dystarg, kind of hands the room back to him, and he goes about the business saying, okay, our campaign against the Corpse Brigade draws near its end. I will permit you to join the final stage. Coordinated strikes are to be made on a number of their dens ere long. You will lead one of those assaults. So we have our next task yeah so like i was saying we we're we're focusing narrow in on like rams's experience but also we're just getting these bigger and bigger hints of what's going on the corpse brigade is about to be wiped out but yeah what is you know who is this guy and why is he over dice darg and and all that so our party leaves the room, and we get this one last exchange between these two people, and Dice Darg apologizes. My apologies, Your Grace, and all of that, and then we get this bit. So at this point, in the way that RPGs of the era often did, you know, we learn this person's name just because it appears in front of the dialogue that they speak. So the person named Larg says, it was not of your doing, Dice Darg. In truth, it serves only to show the caliber of man we were dealing with in Gustav. A change in plans was inevitable, once the fool went and staged the kidnapping within our very borders. And let us not forget, they did save the Marquis's life. He will now be honor-bound to acquiesce. In the end, your brother's deeds have placed us in quite the favorable position. Yeah, so... Without really saying what's going on, and and really leaving it kind of ambiguous, there's obviously political machinations going on here. Larg and, and Dice Darg know more about this kidnapping than most people right. do. And they were dealing with Gustav? Does that mean they were dealing in the way that people might deal with a kidnapper? Or were they dealing right. with Gustav? Like, were they in on it? And And that would give a different flavor to no... Don't go save him versus, oh, I think he might be hidden somewhere with the Corpse Brigade. Like, does that mean that Zalbag doesn't know what's going on? Or does he have his own machinations? Or maybe right. maybe I'm reading too much into that. All these questions, though, do come from this exchange. Because what's basically made clear here, especially the slam dunk of the last two lines they speak to each other, is that these guys are clearly scheming. And we don't know what. But we know that these two are in on something. Because Dice Darg says, The king's life hangs by a thread. We must move quickly now. And Larg replies, Indeed, my dear friend. I trust you will not fail me. Ooh, succession. What an ominous place to leave <laughs> that conversation. What is brother involved in? Yeah. High, high dealings when it comes to the king apparently going to die soon. And right after his speech about being an honor-bound mm-hmm. house bailf, do the right thing, mm, yeah. man. Who's dragging Ugh. who through the mud? You, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
All right. So our heroes are... <laughs> <laughs> that question mark gets bigger and bigger over the next couple of exchanges because now it's this full-on assault, right? To end the Corpse Brigade, everyone's going out, and our party happens upon a group led by a woman named Meluda? Mm-hmm. Meuda? Meuda? I, I've Me- typically Me- said Meluda, but... Yeah. I'm sure if we change the pronunciation every time we say her name, that won't be at all distracting. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and I've got to say that I I always forget about her when I think about great characters in these games and even great characters in this game. And there are so many, but whenever she comes up again, and she doesn't get a ton of screen time, a little bit of spoilers, but... She's so good and she's so important to the story. She is this key moment for our two key figures in this tale. And I think she's just a beautifully written character. So once again, we see a little bit of what's going on right before our characters arrive and Maluda is addressing her troops and she says our contact with the brigade is lost and I fear we may be lost as well and her troops are trying to buck her up they're saying how can you say that the battle is not even yet fought you know we mustn't give in to despair and not until the nobles answer for all that they've wrought and Maluda is clearly just beside herself in this moment she says It ought not have been like this. My brother was too soft, too indecisive. Getting a hint that her brother is an important person. Delita, Ramza, and Argoth arrive. Argoth gives us a quick line of exposition that he's here basically repaying his debt of gratitude to us for helping rescue the Marquis, and so he's going to fight alongside Ramza, and you're like, okay, fine, sure. (laughs) Yeah, because if we have to... Mm. So once again, in the middle of battle, you know, as her comrades are falling around her, Meluda gives basically a speech, and it's, well, again, it's, it's why I was saying what I just was about her. And she says, how can you nobles live as you do, and yet hold your heads so high? We are not chattel. We are humans, no less than you. What flaw do you hold there to be in us? That we were born between a different set of walls? Do you know what it means to hunger? To sup for months of naught but broth of bean? Why must we be made to starve that you might grow fat? You call us thieves, but it is you who steal from us the right to live. (sighs) Yep. (laughs) This, for me, is the player is the are we the baddies moment like yep. wait i i don't think we're on the right side of this no no this is we've talked before about how you can just put the controller down you don't have to continue to play as the the nobles of Beowulf or whomever else yeah uh if you are as disgusted with ramza and his ilk as i am in this moment you can you can stop but we also i think one of the smart things about starting the game at the impetus of what is going to be the War of the Lions. We get to see Ramza not part of his noble family. And so we know that he also is 
becoming uncomfortable with this and that helps to because there's a part of me that's like nah it. I'm not I'm not going to be the bad guys yeah but at the same time knowing that he's going to give that up does help to make me wonder how we got there and so I can hang on for a while longer I think you're right that really helps us push through really the next several moments and Argoth here now takes off whatever mask he may have very lightly <laughs> been wearing and becomes yeah. the sick, disgusting person that we hate. And now you, right now, if it was, if you were ever like, they're a little harsh on this guy. If you're going through this for the first time, here's how Argoth responds to Maluda. You no less human than we ha. Now there's but a beastly thought. You've been less than we from the moment your base-born father fell upon your mother and whatever gutter saw you sired. You've been chattel since you came into the world drenched in common blood. I believe in internet parlance this is called showing one's whole ass. Yeah. And she says, by whose decree? Who decides such foul and absurd things? And he replies... "'Tis heaven's will." She says, "'You would pin your bigotry on the gods? No god would fain forgive such sin, much less embrace it. All men are equal in the eyes of the gods.'" Now, isn't that an interesting claim? Wow! The, the guts it would take to say something like that in a world like this. Mmm! Sing the songs of revolution, Meluda. <laughs> Damn. There, there's a little more back and forth between Argoth and Meluda, and Delita eventually interjects and says to Ramza, is this woman truly our enemy? But you're in the middle of a battle, and so, you know, you defeat them, but she is not slain, she's just defeated, and now Ramza and, and Delita are having a moment of trying to figure out what to do here and they offer to spare her life and Ramza says to her and again this is the first indication that he's starting to get it he says do you truly hold us to be so foul Argoth screams a bunch of nonsense about how she deserves to die yeah more just gross classist bullshit and Delita says, try as I might, Ramza, I cannot think this woman our enemy. And he turns to Argoth and says, this woman is no more chattel than you or I. And Argoth, you know, basically accuses Delita of being a traitor and says, I should have expected as much. You would turn against our cause. And, you know, as they're fighting amongst each other, Meluda rises to her feet and angrily screams at Ramza, you would deny me even the mercy of an honorable death, a pox on you and your pity. So long as you bear the name Beelv, you will ever remain an enemy to me. You do well to remember that. And she limps off. Yeah. And then Ramza gets his, literally, Delita, what have we done moment. What are we doing? Yeah. Rooting out the poor and killing them because they had the temerity to stand up for themselves. I mean, that's that's as plain as it is, right? That's what we're doing, isn't it? Yeah. It's pretty gross. So, right as we're feeling bad for the rebels, <laughs> uh-huh. we get this very abrupt scene back at the Bale of Mance in Guyon, 
and the high seat of Gaon, as it were. And it's being attacked. And Titra, Delita's sister, is yelling, No, I won't go. Release me. Never a good sign. Nope. So again, someone we learn whose name is Grogoroth, because it's written in front of <laughs> what he says, is clearly leading this attack and doing the, you know, be quick about it, let's go. And uh, now someone pulls out Alma, Ramza's sister, and she's being kidnapped as well. But Zalbog comes to her rescue, but isn't able to rescue Titra as the rebels run off with Delita's younger sister. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, oh, uh-huh. oh boy. Yeah. It begins. Uh. So they explain that five guardsmen were killed. The teacher was kidnapped. Zalbog is you know, kind of trying to take care of it because clearly Dystarg has been injured and he's claiming to be fine, but he's bleeding all over himself. He's winded. He's falling over. He's proclaiming that only in a fever dream would he have thought that the brigade would be so bold as to strike us here. They must have come for me, he says. You know, Alma, obviously very worried about Titra and Dystarg and Zalbog basically order everyone, get out there, find her, run them down. And then Zalbog calls for help as his brother collapses. I think this is an interesting narrative move because it does, like, Titra didn't do anything to anybody. I'm not going to be on the side of the people. Like, I am I was all for Maluda's speech a little while ago, but I'm not going to be on the side of the people who kidnapped Titra. Come on. Right. Right. There's no way to be in favor of this, right? But you also have this understanding of, like, why people might hate House Bale. Oh, yeah. We're only beginning to learn that Dear Lord Brother may not be totally on the up and up. And so... How do you make those distinctions in these kinds of wars and conflicts when you're attacking an estate, you know, a castle, essentially? And, like, they actually, and it's going to become clear here in a moment, like, they think they've ca- captured a bailf. Sure, yeah. Right? But Titra well, is not. And, and this gets into that, well, you killed my brother, so I'm going to kill your uncle. Well, you killed my uncle, so I'm going to kidnap your daughter. Well, you kidnapped right. my daughter, so I'm going to, yeah, you know, that that's, how, that's the Hatfields and the McCoys. That's every... Um, you know, generational fighting you've ever heard of. It's it's awful, and the only way to stop it is to stop, right? There's right. Somebody has to stop first. You stop blowing up the other people first. And you might get punished for it, but if nobody ever stops, then, you know, we, we go from the 50 years war right to the War of the Lions. That's, that's what happens. That's, yeah. Or the end of World War One lays the foundation for World War Two, Yeah. And so, you know, we kind of have this quick scene back inside as, once again, our heroes arrive just after a thing happened. And Argoth, Ramza, and Delita have arrived at the Baelv estate. Dystarg is in bed recovering from his injuries or beginning his recovery from his injuries and kind of still telling everybody, okay, soldiers got to go after here and do this. Uh, you know, he mentions that he, he gives us Wygraf's full name for whatever reason. Wygraf Foles, F-O-L-L-E-S. Foles, Foles, Foles. I, I would say Foles. Foles, yeah. 
And he says, the brigade is down to their very last. We're about to take them out. I'm ordering the, a full-on assault, but I'm holding that assault for after Titra is returned. And he insists, I would never turn my back on her. And so all the people in the room who are, who are very upset about that can kind of leave, right? And he can go about the rest of the war stuff. And so outside of the castle, we get an extremely intense scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In case it's been really lighthearted and funny up until this point. <laughs> and Ramza is is trying to calm Delita down, who's clearly beside himself in rage that his sister has been kidnapped. He's got the most blood in this, right? Literally and, and figuratively. <laughs> like, And so Ramza is saying, like, where, where are you going to go? You know, right? C- calm down, calm down, calm down. And Delita says, calm myself? My only sister is taken by cutthroats and you would have me calm? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I see both sides of that, right? Because, yeah, something happens to your family, you're worried. But Ramza's not entirely wrong in that the only way to help her is to be smart about it. Right. So that's what he says. I would have you obey reason. We know not where to begin. To search now would be fruitless. And Delita does not like that. (laughs) He grabs his best friend by the collar and raises him up to his tiptoes and says, Fruitless? You speak of my sister's life. Not quite what he meant, but obviously Delita isn't processing information very well right now. One thing that we're we're really having driven home to us from a storytelling standpoint is just how deeply Delita cares for his sister. He's like, got no one else, right? I mean, he's got yeah. the Bales, but there's still he knows he's outside. He knows he's the assistant. Yeah. So yeah, Titra's all he's really got back and forth and everything that's been said throughout this and even some disagreements we've never seen him treat Ramza this way and so Ramza kind of losing his breath tries to fight through it and he says you know my brother said he wouldn't abandon her there's not much we can do and at some point he just has to say Delita I, I can't breathe and he and he lets his friend go and maybe comes to his senses a little bit and gives you know forgive me Ramza are you alright and all of that and that's when Argoth steps outside and injects himself into the conversation. And at first he just tells him not to believe that fairy tale if I were you, which has Ramza. Do you call my brother a liar? <laughs> hang on, hang on. You're calling my brother a liar? Call my brother a liar? <laughs> <laughs> and he responds, I do. I would not go out of my way to rescue some common maid. So, and now d- d- Delita's <laughs> calm moment is over. Yeah, Jiminy Chris. So just a couple things real quick. One, rude. Two, he's probably got a better read on Ramza's brothers than Ramza does. True. Yeah, it's that's one of the frustrating things about Argoth is like, even though everything he says comes from a really gross place, not everything he says is wrong. Right. He He understands the nobility at least as much because he wants to be nobility again. Like, he's nobility, but his family lost face, right? So, yeah. And he, again, he makes the point correctly in the most disgusting way possible with this next thing he says. He said, he would be a fool to hold back an army 
for fear of spilling a few drops of your common blood. Like, why you gotta say it like that, man? Yeah. And Delita punches him in the face. Yeah. Which I started on this replay. I just I started yelling at the screen, kill him. Yeah, take him out. Enough's kill him, enough. That's... Now we have the benefit of forethought. You can't kill someone for being offensive. But damn it. Yeah. Just Ramza, you know, has to pull him off. And I'm going, no, Ramza, don't. Let him go. So, you know, they... They're kind of separated, and Argoth's got a bloody lip now, and he's wiping at his face and gives his gross-ass thesis statement one more time. Common blood, common man. You'll never be more than you were born, Delita. You don't belong in our world. You ought be licking our boots with the rest of your ilk, churl. Imagine if Hulk Hogan said to Macho Man (laughs) Randy Savage, you ought to be licking my boots like the rest of your ilk, churl. <laughs> <laughs> right? Maybe that's a William Regal line. Yeah, yeah, more more, more Regal for sure. And that again sends Delita right back after him. Ramza gets in the way, you know, tries to be peacemaker here, says enough, everyone stop. But his leadership or nobility or whatever he's been relying on to keep this thing together, it's just really not working anymore and Argoth screams at him open your eyes Ramsa Delita is not one of us it isn't proper that you should mix with such as he surely you can see that this weird blood mixing thing that racists and classists are always into this is a big moment for Ramsa and I was worried about whose side he would come down on because it things have not been clear cut things have not been black and white but this seems like an obvious choice to me Sure. And he does speak up and say, Delita is my friend and a dear one. We've been as brothers all our lives. And Argoth basically says, yeah, and that blinds you to the truth that he is less than we. (laughs) Gee, Christmas. What a dick. He's so convinced. And you know what's interesting about this is like, we know from our modern perspective and our very woke eyes, right, that Delita's right and Argoth is wrong. But Argoth is normal in this world of Ivalice and in our own world for thousands of years. The idea that you are born better or worse than some other people. And some people still believe that nonsense in all kinds of stupid ways. (laughs) And so while it's easy to be like, oh yeah, he's the hero of the game, so he's going to make the right choice. He's going to choose his friend over this guy we just met who's saying all these disgusting things. It's like, it wouldn't be obviously disgusting to Ramza because that's how people were raised to believe. It's a little bit different for him because he has this friend. Right. Right. And and that's uh, Daddy Beolu's right. fault? fault. Yeah, the, the, that that was part of the goal, right? Yeah. He He knows what's going on. Uh, and he wants to try to make things better. My ge- we don't know a lot about the 50 years war, but my guess is some of it had to do with, you know, nobles fighting nobles. And he ha- how many common born soldiers has he seen cut down, used as pawns, thrown away? Right. I have to imagine this was on purpose. So Delita, who really hasn't gotten a lot of moments of clap back and, you know, big dialogue, interesting things to say so far yet, finally gets... To, to give a little back because he's just been punching Argoth in the face and he's clearly tired. His, his arm's gotten tired. And so he says, 
Not everyone of high birth is as ill-bred as you. And and isn't that Ooh. interesting that he he can <laughs> he can turn around where where Argos thing is like everyone who's lowborn is terrible. Delita's like, you know, not everyone of high birth is as ill-bred as you. Yeah. Oh. He knows the words to use. Yeah. Oh. And then Ramza makes his choice, makes his decision. And this really is the start of a series of choices that are going to lead Ramza down a very interesting path. But this is, this is it. This is his moment of truth. Much like in Final Fantasy IV, when Cecil and Kane have to decide not to murder Rydia. This is the moment. And Ramza says, Be gone from my sight, Argoth, and do not think to return. And Argoth tries to have like a back and forth here. He like tries to do, oh, Ramza, aren't we friends? He said, remove yourself. I'll not ask again. Like that is it. I am done with you. And Argoth tries to turn and gives him a little bit of information that the brigade is at Zeekden and tries to tell him a couple things and even sort of wishes him luck here at the end. He says, best of luck, my soft hearted friend. You'll need it. But Ramza's having, he just gives him one last be gone. Like, he is done with Argoth. 100%. You do not treat my friend that way. Hip, hip, hooray for Ramza Bales. Yeah, it's the right choice. It's the right thing to do. Hopefully it ends well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and thank you to everyone who's reached out to us. Don't forget to let us know what we missed, got wrong, or should have mentioned by hitting us up at FFWeeklyPod on Twitter or by emailing FinalFantasyWeekly at gmail.com. Of course, the best way to get a hold of us is to find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash FFWeekly, where you can find all these podcast episodes, plus Studio Ghibli Weekly, some written content, some top ten lists on the Final Fantasy franchise, and if you're looking for even more video game talk, or you're interested in Star Wars, DC, MCU, any of that stuff, head over to patreon.com slash DC Productions.